I'm shorter than most of the men here. Would you pray with me? Father, it is our desire that you be pleased in the preaching of your word this morning. We thank you, God. We so thank you that we can approach you not on our own merits, but the merits of Christ and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray in this moment and after your Holy Spirit would apply your word. We love you and when we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Please turn to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Uh, when my wife and I, when we travel and go on vacation, uh, we occasionally stay in hotels. And I like to stay in hotels because regardless of the quality of the hotel, it's in the interest of that establishment to honor me as their guest. Uh, one of my favorite features of hotels is most often in the room, there's a phone with which you can contact the front desk. You can make almost any request to the front desk, and they will earnestly seek to meet that request. You might need, uh, I might need an iron to press my clothes, or more pillows for my bed, or a milkshake at 2 a.m. You can make countless requests, and uh, in order to make your stay in that hotel and your vacation more enjoyable. Well, sadly, I believe many Christians view prayer the way I view my calls to a hotel front desk. Many people view prayer as a means of enjoying their stay in this world. Many of us subtly or unsubtly view prayer merely as a way of requesting greater ease during our time on earth. We view the Christian life as a peaceful vacation, and any disturbance of that vacation leads us to call out to God. Well, I believe this view is by no means the biblical view of prayer. I believe it's by no means the biblical view of the Christian life. As we have seen from our study so far in Ephesians 6, believers are waging a war against dark, demonic forces. There exists a raging spiritual war filled with foes determined to devour us. And I'm convinced that Christians will never appreciate the importance of prayer until they comprehend the gravity of this spiritual war. We wrestle against the rulers and the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this, over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And I believe the Apostle Paul would affirm that rather than viewing prayer as a call to room service or a hotel front desk, we should rightly view prayer as a military radio with which we call to our commander. We cry out to our commander, I need help. I need aid. Lord, help me. Give me aid. Christian people are involved in an intense spiritual war. And I've been blessed by how Alex has brought this true, these truths to our attention. The New Testament's vision of the Christian life is not a peaceful coast into heaven, but a tumultuous struggle with cosmic powers. Christian, if you bear the name of Christ, you truly have been enlisted, and you've been drafted into a spiritual war that will demand the utmost attention and strength. It is in this context that we are commanded to pray. And if we understand once again that we are in fact at war with hosts of darkness and the powers of evil in this world, we will take prayer seriously. Prayer is the topic of today's text, but before we consider the text in any depth, there is a fundamental truth about Christian prayer that I want to make plain, I want to make clear. Uh, and that is the fact that God delights in Christian prayer. God delights 
in the prayers of his saints. Proverbs 15.8 says, The prayer of the upright is God's delight. And you might think, why does God delight in prayer? Why does God desire that Christian people pray to him? Well, there, I believe there are many reasons God delights in prayer. Prayer is where we, where we tether our desires to the will of God. It's where we conform our will to the will of Christ and seek to be more like him. Uh, prayer, we are often commanded in Scripture to pray, and, and our, our Heavenly Father is always pleased when we obey Him, right? I think if you're a father in the room or a parent in the room, how happy you are when your children obey you. Well, I believe one of the main reasons prayer pleases God is it is the practice in which we freely express our need for God. God desire, desires for people to come to Him thirsty, looking to quench their thirst. He is pleased by utter dependence on him and him alone. Psalm 147.11 says, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. To the soul who seeks him. It pleases God when we seek him. It pleases God when we exercise faith through the medium of prayer. God loves it when we look to him solely to meet our needs. Christian, do you love your heavenly father? Do you want to please your heavenly father? Well, if you want to please your heavenly father, express your need for him. And express your need for him in the practice of prayer. With these introductory comments behind us, I want us to look at the text. We're going to be focusing mainly on, on verses 18 through 20. Uh, but to get us in the context, let's start in verse 14. This is Ephesians 6, verse 14 through 20. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. My title for this message is The Indispensability of Prayer. The Indispensability of Prayer. And I've chosen this title because I believe, I've come to find that the importance of prayer in our passage is striking. Clinton Arnold, a commentator, describes prayer as, as foundation for the deployment of all weapons. He's talking about spiritual weapons that we use to wage this spiritual war. The helmet of, of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Prayer is foundational for the deployment of all weapons. Peter O'Brien, he states that prayer is the means by which we stand firm and appropriate the divine armor. It is the means by which we, verse 14, stand firm and appropriate the divine armor. You want to know how to use the sword of the Spirit? You want to know how you're supposed to put the helmet of salvation on? Prayer needs to appropriate how you equip yourselves for this spiritual war. It's like oil in the motor that lubricates all the gear. gears. The importance of prayer, uh, you can see, is illustrated in Paul's use of the word all. 
If you look at verse 18, you might notice that God uses the word all, or excuse me, Paul uses the word all four times to communicate the importance of prayer. This greatly emphasizes the priority of prayer in the Christian life. Listen, Paul is concerned to stir the church to engage in prayer, and I believe from this text and countless others that the vitality of prayer in the Christian life cannot be overstated. As Christian people, as God's people, we cannot overemphasize the importance of prayer. This morning, we will seek to answer uh, four questions about prayer from this text. Uh, These are my four headings. If you're taking notes, they come in the form of four questions. The first is, what should we pray? Secondly, when should we pray? Thirdly, how should we pray? And fourthly, for whom should we pray? For whom should we pray? And um, I probably should say this on a side. This this isn't uh, the Bible's exhaustive teaching on prayer. There are countless texts that teach us about prayer. Everything that the Bible teaches about prayer is not contained in this text. But I think this is a precious text to Christ's church. Firstly, let's consider what should we pray? What kinds of, a better way of saying this is maybe what kinds of prayers should Christians pray? If you look at verse 18, it's closely linked to verse 14. Linguistically, verse 18 is meant to be connected to verse 14. The idea is that while we are standing against Satan, while we are waging this war, while we are fighting our foe, we are to pray always. We are to stand, therefore, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Now, prayer and supplication, prayer and supplications. Uh, I don't believe we're to stress over why Paul picked and uses the word prayer and supplications. Definitionally, if you want to know, supplications are specific types of prayers or express our needs and request that God would supply our need from his infinite grace. The idea from Paul here is that we engage in any and all types of prayer that we might stand firm in this evil day. Let me say that again. The idea is that we engage in any and all types of prayer that we might stand firm in this evil day. And I think this includes several types of prayer. I think this includes, there, there are several types of prayer. Thanksgiving, extended seasons of prayer in your quiet time, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, where you, where you cry out to God and, and for long seasons of prayer, silent requests, corporate prayer. We've seen so much prayer already today. We have, we've had a prayer of confession and a preparation for worship. We've had a pastoral prayer. I, prayer. I prayed before this message. I'll probably pray after this message. Uh, we might think of, think of cries to God from distress. Listen, Paul does not seek to limit the ways we address God to make our needs known, but just that we do, in fact, engage in prayer. What should Christians pray? They should pray all kinds of prayer, every kind of prayer that prepares us for spiritual conflict. Secondly, let's consider when we should pray. When should we pray? Perhaps another way of wording this is how often should we pray? The Westminster Shorter Catechism describes prayer as an offering up of our desires unto God. Well, how often should we offer up our desires unto God? How often should we make our needs known to God? Well, I'm helped by asking the question, how often are you in need? All the time. Are you not always in need? Listen, look at verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Believers must engage in regular, constant prayer. Remember, we are at war against darkness. We are at war against darkness. And if you're deployed in battle, you must regularly contact the commander. Donald Whitney wrote a book called Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life, 
Uh, I would encourage every Christian person to read this book. And in his chapter on reading God's word, a, question, a, a chapter on the importance of God's word in Christian life, he poses the question of how often Christians should read the Bible. And he answers the question by asking, how often does a Christian need God's word? How often does a Christian need to hear from God? Every day, at all times, Christians should read the Bible freely and frequently. Well, brothers and sisters, I love at Emmanuel Church, something Alex says frequently, we seek to be Bible people, right? We seek to be people that are shaped by God's word, people that are hungry, by God, hungry for God's word, people that respond to God's word. We want to be Bible, Bible people, men and women of God's word. Well, Christian, let me encourage you from God's word. Be a Christian of prayer. Let your life, as it is marked by commitment to God's word, be marked by commitment to prayer, purpose to pray. Are you not in constant need of God's grace? Brother, do you lack patience to love your wife? as Christ loves the church, as we've learned from Ephesians 5. I encourage you, seek the Lord in prayer. Sister, are you prone to anxiety? Do you lack trust in God's provision in your life? Seek your heavenly Father in prayer. Christian, do you find yourself prone to be more satisfied with the things of this world than the person and work of Jesus Christ? Confess your sin to God and seek him earnestly in prayer. The Lord is eager to meet your needs in prayer if you would only ask him, if you'd only seek him. I'm reminded of the hymn, Praise to the Lord, which declares, Hast thou not seen how thy desires have been granted in what he ordaineth? Ponder anew what the Almighty will do if with his love he befriendeth. We must pursue God in prayer at all times. Now, you might be thinking, uh, Zach, does, it, does this text command me to spend literally every moment in prayer? I mean, it says at all times. That's what that literally means. Do, do I need to be praying every conscious second of my life? Well, no, I don't think that. Uh, but I do think this text envisions a Christian's life to be marked by regular reliance on God through prayer. Christian's life to be marked by regular reliance on God through prayer. The idea is not that we pray a hundred times a day, that we pray for hours and hours and hours on end, but it is that our lives are characterized by constant dependence on God through prayer. Further, brothers and sisters, I charge you all, let's be a church of prayer. Don't just be a Christian of prayer. Let us be a church of prayer. Remember, Paul is addressing a church here. He's addressing the Ephesian church. The last three chapters of Ephesians have taught us how this new humanity in Christ ought to interact with one another. And this specific text reminds us that we are brothers and sisters in arms. Let us bear one another's burdens and bring our concerns to the throne of grace. Let us be a church marked by prayer, Emmanuel Church. Let us do this. I've, I've said it already, but I'll, I'll say it again. I, I believe the main reason Christian people lack diligence in prayer and churches forsake prayer meetings and don't seek God in prayer and make prayer a priority is they do not feel their urgent need. They do not feel their urgent need. I hope in this study of Ephesians 6 that you realize if we clearly understood the gravity of this present darkness, we would tremble. We would tremble and seek God's help. 
We have seen that we should pray all kinds of, we have seen that we should pray at all times. Thirdly, let's consider how we should pray. How should Christian people pray? How should we pray? First, under this heading of how should we pray, we must pray in the Spirit. We must pray in the Spirit. You don't have to be a Christian very long to understand the importance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and if you've been coming to Emmanuel for any length of time, you know we don't have to be a church very long to understand the importance of the Holy Spirit. I've learned, I hope you have learned, I think we all have learned that we might show up here on Sunday with our Bibles. We might have a trained pastor. We might have great music and excellent song selection. We might have this wonderful, beautiful, nice facility. But all of our efforts are ineffectual unless the Spirit works. Unless the Spirit rains down on this congregation, our efforts are utterly futile. They're utterly fruitless. Well, brothers and sisters, this is certainly true of prayer. We cannot and we must not pray in our own strength or through our own merits. We must pray in the Spirit. We must pray in the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? It sounds very spiritual. It sounds like a very Christian thing to do. What does it mean to, to pray in the Spirit? Well, I believe we could probably spend a whole Sunday considering what it means to pray in the Spirit. Uh, we could probably spend maybe a whole year. I believe Martin Lloyd-Jones probably spent six or seven sermons on the phrase in the Spirit. Well, I want to share with you a few quick ways of understanding what it means to pray in the Spirit, and they're primarily by understanding what is the nature of the Spirit's work on our behalf. Firstly, under praying in the Spirit, the Spirit gives us access to the Father. The Spirit gives us access to the Father. It is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, along with Christ, that we have access to the Father. Ephesians 2.18 for who, through whom we have access in one spirit to the Father. Listen, the dynamics of a Christian's relationship to God are such that we have access to God, Christian people have access to God, our maker, sustainer, our judge, on the basis of what Christ has done. Because of what Christ has done and accomplished on the cross, as rose again for our justification, we can approach God. But listen, it is through the continual ministry of the Holy Spirit that we can approach God as Father. The Spirit bears witness that we are sons and daughters of God. The Spirit gives us access to the Father. Every Christian person is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And uh, perhaps on an aside, I want to take this opportunity to address any unbelievers that are here. Uh, any people do, that do not profess Christ as your Savior. If you are not a Christian, you do not have the Holy Spirit. If you're not a Christian, you do not have the Holy Spirit. And you cannot have a loving relationship with God. Your only relationship with him is as judge. And listen, he will justly condemn you. He will justly condemn you if you do not repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and look to him for faith. in faith. I plead with you, ask the Lord to save you. Repent of your sins and he will give you the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will then give you access to the Father. 
Spirit gives us access to the Father. But secondly, the Spirit illumines God's Word. The Spirit illumines God's Word, or the Spirit mediates God's Word to His people. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've probably have come to know, know that the Spirit does His work most ordinarily. The Spirit does His work most ordinarily in the context of God's Word. The Spirit gives us understanding of God's Word. The Spirit is closely linked with the Word of God throughout the New Testament. Ephesians 6.17, we've already read it. It charges us to combat evil with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It equates this sword of the Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God. When we use God's Word to condition our prayer, we are praying in the Spirit. When we use God's word to condition our prayer, we are praying in the spirit. And I would say, if you're a Christian and you feel your prayer life is lacking, if you feel like you don't pray as you ought or as often as you ought, first I would say join the club. I don't say that irreverently. I think, I think every Christian here feels their prayer life is lacking to some degree and they want to improve in this area. But what I would, the best way I can encourage you is to pray through the Bible. Use the Bible to inform your prayers. If you don't know what to pray, pray Scripture. Read the prayers of Paul, of David, of Moses, and make them your prayers. Make them your prayers. I encourage you this afternoon, go home and read Psalm 51. Read Psalm 51 where David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Restore in me the joy of my salvation. Make me whiter than snow. Look, if you're a sinner, that's all of us, you can pray Psalm 51. Pray through the Bible. Pray Scripture. The Spirit illumines God's Word. Thirdly, thirdly, the Spirit interprets our prayers to the Father. The Spirit interprets our prayers to the Father. Time does not allow us to fully unpack this idea here, but it is a sweet truth. There is a way in which the Spirit interprets our prayers and our utterances even when we don't know how to pray. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Brothers and sisters, we have a glorious interpreter in the person of the Holy Spirit and he mediates our needs to the Father. Listen, when you pray in the Spirit, you can have full confidence that the Father hears you. With confidence I draw nigh and Father, Abba, Father, cry. We have confidence in the Spirit. Paul encourages believers to pray in the Holy Spirit. You might still be thinking, how exactly do I do this? Zach, you just told me a lot of things that the Spirit does. A lot of things the Spirit has accomplished. A lot of things the Spirit does for us. Well, I don't want to presume that this isn't mysterious. I believe the, the practice of praying in the Spirit is, very, is quite mysterious. And within the New Testament, there's not a how-to manual on how to pray in the Spirit. Paul doesn't go into details here. But despite this mystery, I believe, at the very least, we must be impressed with these realities of the Spirit's work on our behalf. We must, be always, we must always be aware that it is by the power of the Spirit that we pray. 
We don't pray in our own strength. We don't pray on our own merits, but we pray in the Spirit. How are we to pray? We are to pray in the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we are also to pray with alertness and perseverance. We are to pray with alertness and perseverance. Derek Thomas is a pastor in Columbia, South Carolina. He's a a Presbyterian pastor there. Uh, He has said, if you want to humble a Christian, ask him about his prayer life. If you want to humble a Christian, perhaps you want to do this today. If you want to humble a Christian, ask him about his prayer life. I trust that many Christians, and I throw myself in this boat, feel quite ashamed when they consider their prayer life. Few of us feel we engage in prayer to the degree, the degree to which we should. Well, I hope you appreciate the New Testament's, the New Testament writers are very pastoral on the topic of prayer. Paul understood human weakness. He understood the temptations of man. He would not encourage the Ephesians to pray with all alertness and perseverance if prayer was easy. And understand, this this command to be alert, it's actually the only imperative we see in the text here. And he wouldn't have us to, uh, command us to do so if it was easy. This text reminds me of Christ's words to his disciples on the night of his betrayal. He said to his disciples, watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Brothers and sisters, God's word never encourages or excuses sin, but it is realistic about our sin. It does acknowledge our weakness and frailty. We have a high priest who sympathizes with our weakness, and we have a Bible that speaks of our weakness and acknowledges our frailty. And listen, the Apostle Paul was no stranger to human frailty. He experienced great anxiety for the churches. He experienced draining relational strain, and he was often very physically weak himself. Yet he understood the utter indispensability of prayer. Saints are to persevere in prayer with eagerness, with vigilance, with strength. The task of prayer demands our utmost attention. There ought to be palpable energy to our prayers and our prayer meetings. Perseverance and alertness should mark our prayer. Brothers and sisters, I would encourage you, one simple way you can obey this command to be alert and persevere in prayer is by showing up to our prayer meetings. We have prayer meetings on Sunday evenings here. We do them once a month right now. We intend in the future to do them weekly. And friends, I understand how hard it is to come to church twice in one day. Uh, My wife Erin and I, we don't yet have children. We want to have children soon. Uh, I can only imagine how hard it is for, for parents to drag little ones out here in the evening. But listen, if it feels challenging... If it requires diligence and perseverance, that shouldn't surprise us. This text teaches us that. We have a command to be alert. Friends, it is God's desire that we persevere in prayer. And prayer is the tool that God uses the church to to stand in this evil day. How should we pray? We should pray in the Spirit. We should pray with alertness and perseverance. Lastly, let's consider the question of For whom should we pray? Who should we pray for? For whom should we pray? I don't know if your soul is shaped like mine. I don't know if most of you are like me in this regard. But I find the tendency within myself to to only pray singularly for my own needs. Of course, I I am me, right? I'm not you. I'm me. I know me really well. 
I know my sins, my struggles. I know, I know my ways I need to improve and grow in grace and godliness. But Paul charges the Ephesians church to vigilantly pray for all the saints. Notice the outward focus of this prayer. Prayer is not a merely a means of lifting up our own personal needs or even the needs of our church. Paul charges the Ephesians church to vigilantly pray for all the saints. You might be wondering, Zach, who are all the saints? Make this very simple for you. All the saints. All the saints. It's not a joke. All the saints. All Christian people everywhere. Christian people ought to be concerned for the needs of all saints throughout the world. Where there are Christians, there are needs. And there are needs that need to be lifted up in prayer. Listen, true Christians in any country and and any country and any culture are engaged in the same conflict that we are. They're waging the same war. They're fighting the same foe. And they desperately need our prayers. Prayer must have an outward focus. And I feel the need to ask each of you here that are Christian, how are you doing here? Do you rarely pray for other believers? Do you rarely pray for other Christians? Are your prayers, if you pray at all, centered only on yourself? Christian, your brothers and sisters need your prayers. Bear their burdens. Pray for them. I would add, encourage saints by telling them that you pray for them. Look, we we often say, oh, brother, I'm praying for you. Sister, I'm praying for you. Don't let that just be a convenient tag to a Christian conversation. Actually endeavor to pray for those people. Tell them when you're praying for them. I can't tell you, you know, Lai Chow and I, we, we host a, a small group at, uh, at Emmanuel in our houses. And I can't tell you how many times I've showed up to that small group and have been encouraged that the saints in that small group are praying for me. And they want updates. They want updates. It holds me accountable. That brother I've been trying to evangelize, they asked me, did you talk to him? I've been praying for him, Zach. They want those updates. We encourage one another with our prayer. I can't tell you how many times I get texts from, from Christians from former churches that tell me that they're praying for me and my wife, Erin, and the work we're engaged, up here, engaged in up here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. What an encouragement. What a way we can feed one another's faith. Christian, pray for all the saints. But Paul quickly moves from encouraging prayers for all the saints to requesting prayer for himself. He asked for prayer for, for me, this is verse 19, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Paul asked for words to be given to him. Words, words, words to be given to him. This literally is, is, is that, that he wants an utterance to be granted to him from the Holy Spirit that he might be able to proclaim the mystery of the gospel with boldness. Now, I believe Paul's request for an utterance to be given him is in many ways appropriate for all, all believers. I think if you're a Christian, you're a Great Commission Christian, right? You're a Christian that's, that's engaged in, in the call to evangelize the lost to some degree or another. It's in every way appropriate for you to quote Paul when you're requesting prayer. Brother, I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to, to, to share the gospel with my brother-in-law. Pray that words would be given to me. Pray that word. We know that we don't save any people, right? We need God to do a work. 
We need, we need God's words in order to quicken men's hearts to repentance and faith. Now, though I think this text is, is in, in every way appropriate for, for many believers, I believe there's a degree to which Paul is requesting prayer in light of his unique role as a herald of the mystery of the gospel. I believe Paul is requesting prayer in light of his unique role as a herald of the mystery of the gospel. I believe there is a special need for prayer for those uniquely called to proclaim the gospel. Immediately, I think of our missionary partnerships. As a young church, we have been blessed with wonderful missionary partnerships, just, just unbelievable opportunity to support the gospel in far lands. I would mention their names right now, but I don't even know if I can for the sake of their security. We must pray for these dear brothers and sisters that they are given words to declare the gospel with boldness. I think this, 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 this text is also relevant to pastors. Pastors are uniquely charged to proclaim the gospel in their local churches week in and week out. Some people are called to be evangelists. Some are called to demanding pulpit ministry. And this ministry requires our prayers. It requires the prayers of all the saints. And I must ask, Christian, do you pray for your pastor? Do you pray for your pastors? Look, this is one of the most consistent things in your life. Every Sunday, a man of, of will stand in this pulpit and desire to preach God's word. Most any man that's going to stand in this pulpit desires to preach God's word to God's people and to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. But each of those men... Though they're well-trained, they need an utterance to be given to them from the Lord to declare this gospel, to declare it with boldness. They cannot do it and must not do it in their own strengths, trusting in their own devices. They need the power of the Holy Spirit. Think of this. The Apostle Paul requested boldness. Apostle Paul has been in prison for his boldness. And yet he knows he needs it. He needs the prayers of the saints that God would grant him boldness to declare the mystery of the gospel. Paul understood his need for the prayers of the saints. For whom should we pray? Christian, pray for all the saints and pray for those charged to preach the gospel that God's kingdom would advance with power. Spiritual war is real and our need and our needs are great but our God is greater. Let us be watchful and earnestly seek him in prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for God's word. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that you have given us a commitment to that word. But Lord, we pray with the same passion we would be passion, passionate about prayer. Lord, give each Christian person here a heart to seek you diligently and regularly in prayer. Lord, give us perseverance in this fight. Lord, give us alertness. God, give us more passion for your work. And Lord, give us a heightened sense of the gravity of our circumstances, Lord. God, we pray that you would apply your word now and encourage us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.